As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Front and Nationwide is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know Blue Jackets tickets tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. This isn't just for Blue Jackets tickets, though. Browns, Bengals, Reds, Indians, crew, you name it, any major league sport, any major league team, GameTime is your app for last-minute, highly discounted tickets. Head to the App Store or Play Store now to download GameTime and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets Podcast. Aaron Port's on with you. Allison Lucan is here. Hello. It is Tuesday morning in Columbus. The Blue Jackets tonight play host to the Vegas Golden Knights. Not an easy challenge by any measure. Uh, but you know what? The way these Blue Jackets are playing right now, nothing's coming easy to them. <laughs> Um, I think they've played okay at times, should have won in St. Louis, didn't. And now, Allison, they're on an 0-3-1 schneid, if you will, four straight losses. After a 4-0-2 streak before this, I still think we're at the point with this club, and it may be this season specifically, but maybe it's just a grander point with the way people see this team. I find there's more worry about the 0-3-1 and uh, string of play recently than there was joy about the 4-0-2 string before that. I think there are still trust issues with this team. I think a lot of people, frankly, believe that the last four games are more indicative of what this team really is than the 4-0-2 stretch before that was. Um I'm wondering where you come in on that. Do you is this this team? Is this closer to this team? These are extremes, of course. What's the more realistic picture of this team? This team that's 
That's goaltending is kind of who's going to make a stop here, boys. The scoring is not coming enough, and you're not sure where it's going to come from. The defense isn't quite as snappy as, as people expected it to be. Or the stretch before that where they're just tough as nails defensively. Uh, the goaltending looks pretty darn solid. And they're getting some scoring from Pierre-Luc Dubois and some others, different guys on different nights. Which do you believe? Is Does it have to be one or the other, or do you do you think it's somewhere in between? Yeah, I, it's funny. I think that part of why people are so hardcore about this recent stretch is it confirms all the worst fears, right? I mean, this was what everyone talked about. Oh, without Bobrovsky, they're not going to have goaltending. Without Panarin, they're not going to be able to score. And it, it feels like this is just that confirmation um, yeah. of it. I, I, as I think through it, you know, it's – I think all of this is this team because it, it's what you said. I think that when this team plays the way they're supposed to play, more times than not they're going to get the result they deserve. And you mentioned St. Louis. I mean, if this team is playing the way they need to play and they get an overtime loss, that's – palatable not ideal of course but palatable but the these recent games other than st louis i can't point to this team playing the way that they're quote unquote supposed to play um and so for me all of this is who this group is if they play the way they're supposed to play they're going to be competitive they're going to get results maybe not top of the league results but they're going to get results um, but if they don't play the way they're supposed to play, it's, it's going to be not great. <laughs> and it, it's frustrating. And, you know, we talked to John Tortorella about this a little bit yesterday. It, it's, I mean, sure, there are execution issues, and we can talk about some of the specific players that are struggling right now. But the, the energy, the, the part that I would attribute to mental side or, or mental preparedness, if you will, it's hard to understand when you don't see that right out of the gate. Yeah. That that has nothing to do with not having a goal scorer, not having a goaltender. It's that that I think is what's confusing and maybe that's what makes this recent stretch harder to to take is you're not seeing or feeling like you're seeing the effort there. Yeah. And I think and we we touched on this early in the season and I think it holds true and will for a while. This team does not have the ability to play at 70% and win. Right, exactly. They, it's going to be hard for them to steal wins. They can't overcome something like two offensive zone penalties in St. Louis up 3-1. Right. They can't overcome that. Right. And and so that it magnifies those things. And I know people think we're picking on Sonny Milano. You take four offensive or offensive, three of them, one in the neutral zone penalties in the span of three games. And I think three of them end up as power play goals for the opposition, mm-hmm. that is, it becomes magnified when you have so little margin for error. Right. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's it's a hard, that's a hard way to live, especially with a young team, right, Allison? Like this is you're expecting this team to be the smarter team, the the team that has more energy, plays smarter, makes fewer mistakes, and is good playing with in tight games and it's the youngest team in the league yeah exactly you know what i mean like yeah that's a lot to ask is it not yeah and i you know it's it's funny that we've talked to nick felino a couple times over these past few days and 
he continues to bring up, you can't go down one nothing right out of the gate, right? I mean, yeah. even that, even that obstacle of, well, now we have to score two, right? I mean, that's right. that's a big ask for this team right now where it is. And, and to your point, how do you, you've got Emil Bemstrom still trying to figure out the NHL game, which, which is to be expected. I'm not trashing the player by any means or saying anything negative. You've got goaltenders who are still figuring out their roles. I mean, Jacob Lilia was up here. He's trying to figure out the NHL game. So to to not be able to just worry about your game but feel this this pressure of responsibility that you just outlined, that's tough. And and then you've got your leaders who are trying to find their game but then also maybe trying to help these younger guys. <laughs> it's, 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 it's crazy responsibility. And then yeah. they can do it, but it's crazy responsibility. Yeah, and so when you've got – let's just kind of go through the rap sheet here. This team expected a, a major push from Texier. They expected a an offensive edge from Bemstrom. Um, Texier's been hurt, but I think even before that, his play after kind of a fast start was suffering. Yep. Uh, Bemstrom can't find – I don't think he has the space he's used to having, and he's not used to having to work – so hard for the puck and space with the puck. Right. So those two rookies have not really provided much for them in any way uh, offensively. They're not right now anyways. Um, Corpusalo has been at times good, Mm -hmm. has struggled at times. Uh, Elvis seems to get a little bit better every time he plays, uh, but they clearly aren't ready to give him everything all the time Mm -hmm. right now. Um, And so when you're in this... When you're in this situation, I think it's absolutely imperative, and, and John Tortorella has talked about this since the start of training camp, where Nick Foligno's got to do more. Cam Atkinson's got to be firing. Um, Seth Jones, Zach Wierenski, these two difference makers in the back end have to be really, really good. And let's just kind of start with them, and we'll have a story posted later today about them. I think a lot of defense in this league would love to be struggling the way that Jones and Wierenski are right now, <laughs> right. if you know what I'm saying. Right. It's 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 all relative, but those two guys can play better, and they need to play better. And Seth Seth Jones has struggled. Wierenski has struggled. I think Jones again is still is I you know John Tortorella was hilarious about it yesterday. Uh, let me find his his great quote. He's such a great player. I don't need to say anything. He's still a really good player, even when he's struggling, which is right. But they need more out of those guys, not just defensively, but but in terms of generating offense, which is kind of their calling card. Yeah, for sure. And I think you know this is this is part of what feeds my all of these games are who this team is because I legitimately believe that there are players on this team who, just like Tort said can and will be better because what we're seeing right now is just so uncharacteristic. Um, and these two are, fall into that category for me, as does Cam Atkinson, to be honest, um, in terms of him not scoring right now. But it, it's interesting to me. I think that these two are so good and we're used to them being so good. It, it almost magnifies when they aren't, right? It magnifies right. when the puck bounces over Seth's stick when he's trying to keep it in the offensive zone on the power play. It's magnified when... Zach Wierenski is is the guy that's caught on the odd man rush. We don't talk about the fact that 
the team let the opponent get on an odd man rush. We talk about Zach Renski on the odd playing the odd man rush, um, but it's it, it it's magnified because they are counted on. They are expected to be difference makers, um, and, and I agree with what Tort said too. Even though they're not where they maybe need to be or used to be or should be, they're still good. I mean, you still yeah, see things sure. that they're doing and. Um, there is there is still at least one moment a night where I go, man, Seth Jones is good. <laughs> just you know, right. just a little play, but um, you know it, it's and it's hard because when you're struggling, it's not like they can go do drills to get better. It's not like they don't know yeah. how to do these things. Sure, they just have to lock back into to playing the right way. Yeah, and there have been times I think for me the the most glaring issue with Jones's game has been in his own zone. Yeah, um, there's been a probably four or five instances so far where we have 13 games uh, yeah. where you've gone, oh, me- oh, whoa, in his own zone. Right. The turnover in his own zone. I don't know if it's if it's him trying to do too much. I don't know if it's him. I don't know what it is. Do, do you see anything other? Do you, are you recognize A, do you agree with that? But are you seeing things beyond that, Allison? Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with that. And like I said, I, I see just you – know, Things that stand out to me is is retrievals, like I just mentioned, keeping yeah. the puck in the zone. Both of them, maybe you know, the they they don't get to the puck in time, or the puck bounces over their stick. And and again, that's not solely on them. It's who sent the puck, how did the puck get to them? But we're just sure. so used to them being extremely reliable there. And and I do, it, I'm always curious, and I don't know that players will ever truly tell us because. They will play with whomever, but there's been a lot of shuffling on those D pairs, right? Yeah. And how how does that impact? You know, if you're if you're playing with what was it? Was it St. Louis where Jones played with Gavrikov? Yes. If, and and this is nothing against Gavrikov. I think he's had a, a very good start to the year and continues to get better. But if you're Seth Jones and you want to ensure that as a pair you're sound, how does your thinking change? How does your execution change when you're with a different partner? when you want to make sure that you protect him if he's not necessarily 100% used to the North American game yet, back him up, back your team up. I am always curious how all those kinds of changes impact how a guy thinks and how a guy executes on the ice in the moment. Yeah, the finer points. Yeah. The finer points to have second decisions. That's right. Yeah, all of those things. Um, you know, the... Uh, one of the issues here, too, is Marcus Nudevara was hurt. Mm-hmm. And then Marcus Nudevara comes back, and now Marcus Nudevara has been out of the lineup for two games. Yeah. Um, and just and he's the guy that, that drives offense on this team for sure. Yeah. Like he's – he may be, I don't know, next to Wierenski and Jones, the best north-south passer. Yeah. Well – Fair? Well, I, Murray's a really good passer. Murray, yeah. Chase, I'm forgetting about him because he's hurt too. Right. But yes, I yeah. he it, those four are your top, including Murray with Jones, Wierenski, and Nudie. I think those are the four most offensive of, of the defensive core. Yeah. And Torts was strong on him yesterday. Yeah. Um, said he's the reason he's out is because he's a wicket. <laughs> and he demonstrated. <laughs> he, he did, which I wish I would have caught on video. It was fantastic. Um, and I believe he's making a cricket reference there. Yes. Yes, um, which you don't hear a, a ton of. John Tortorella. But he said he's been a wicket, stationary, looking to his partner and flipping pucks. I want to see him skate. I want to see him move, and I want to see him get involved. 
in the offense. It's something we've gone through before with him. I want to see him make a difference. If he goes back in, that's what he has to do. So he's not saying if he'll play tonight against uh, Vegas. I guess he does, but we'll we'll see that for sure later uh, this morning. But Nudavara has hurt them uh, by his play, and Murray is, has been injured again. Um, so, so yeah, the, the back end has not been the driver uh, of offense. Is that impacting what's going on up front where you've got Cam Atkinson, rather chilly, Felino in a bit of a, a dip offensively? Um, I think Gustav Nyquist has put up some points, but I, there are times where I think maybe they're looking for more from him. Yeah, yeah. Um, Bjorkstrand's been in and out. You know, they, they Wenberg, I think, has dipped after a, a pretty strong start. He still looks better than he has, but they've got, they're struggling up front, and I'm wondering if they're not getting going because the back end isn't sort of plugging them in offensively to get it started. Well, we always joke about, you know, how you, how you were saying shoot on the power play. Mm. I'm the one up in the press box saying what is going on with the breakout, right? Yeah. And, and this speaks to your point of, of the struggling back end and also feeding the offense. I was noticing early in this season that as defensively as this team was playing, I felt like they really were aggressive in moving the puck up the ice. It, it, I loved it. It was great. Like they were, they were feeding possible breakouts quite, quite well. And yeah. these past few games, I mean, they can't even get out of their own zone. Yeah. And that responsibility, in my opinion, falls on the defensemen and the forwards who are supposed to support them and help with that breakout. It feeds Torts' comments on players like Nudie. And part of the problem is, too, and we saw this particularly in the last game, when they have to work so hard just to get the puck out of the zone, by the time they get to the other end, they're gassed, and they're just dumping the puck in and getting a change. Right. So these little steps of the process of getting the puck up the ice with, with so many struggles in, in various steps of that process result in no offense. I mean, the last game, I think, was their lowest – controlled entry rate that I've seen this season. And it was in 30%. I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah. So, yeah, I definitely think that if you if from a, if you talk about defensive responsibility, which isn't just the defenseman, but if you can't get that puck out of the zone with control and efficiently, my God, of course your offense is going to suffer, whether or not your guys can yeah. finish or not. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, and I think, you know, there have been a couple nights where energy has been an issue. Yes, I thought they played re- really firm and hard, and and with a lot of juice in St. Louis. Yes, um, and that they just frittered that one away. Which those, Mike, those are the games they can't just give away. Right. Uh, and then the Calgary game, they just it just felt like it looked like there was some try there, but just not a lot of juice. Yeah. Um, and so they've, you know, to help with that, they've called up. A local product who's a bit of a wild hair in uh, Cole Sherwood. A uh, physical player, brought that right from his first shift. <laughs> he got Milan Lucic's attention. Uh, he also dipped into Milan Lucic's wallet because <laughs> Lucic threw a punch uh, on on Sherwood after a, a, a stoppage at net front that was, I think it sets him back 65 grand. Yep, yep. Wouldn't that be nice to take two days off and have it? Or have two days work mean that kind of dough? Anyways, you. I know. Um, 
But Cole Sherwood, I, I think what's what's interesting to me about this kid is for years, well, two years, we wondered, what is he? Does he know what he is? Does he know what he's going to be at the NHL? Right. It, it, can Is he a scorer? Because he scored in junior. Mm-hmm. Is he just a f- third or fourth line guy that, that skates like the wind and blows people up? Where does and and at times he I think he put his arms around that style and was a little out of control with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think being in the AHL has helped him sort of refine his game a little bit. Where I think I think if you're being honest, he's probably a plus third line guy. Yeah. In the NHL, maybe I'm overshooting there. Maybe he's a fourth line guy in the NHL at his peak. Um, but he may be an important piece to this team right now as they kind of fight to keep their their heads up during a, during a bit of a struggle. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it's it's interesting even the way you describe him. While I think that um, this other player I'm about to mention is, is slots higher in the lineup at his full potential, you don't have Josh Anderson playing like Josh Anderson right now. So no. Cole Sherwood helps fill that kind of style of play a bit in my perspective. And it, it's interesting now that as we talk through all this, you, you think about it, there's – there's that old adage, and part of this was what we talked about with this team being young. It, Cole doesn't know any better. He doesn't know he's supposed to be stressed out or gripping his stick too tight, which is something right. Torts told us he thinks is happening right now. So he comes in with energy, and he's just going to play. He doesn't have the the mental stress that we've already talked about in his head. And I think we saw that in his game on Saturday, and, and maybe that helps unlock some of these other guys as well. And I think it's a good sign that, that this organization knows what they have in Cole Sherwood. Yes. And Cole Sherwood knows what the organization wants from him. Yes. By the fact that he was called up for that game against Calgary and it didn't require a meeting with coaches. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yep. Yeah. Just, you know, it, it goes without saying, this is who you are, kid. We know who you are. That's why we called you up. Right. Now go do your job. Right. Um, so, and I, I would suspect he's back in tonight against the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. Yep, I would as well. Yeah. Um, so, speaking of Sherwood and the energy boost, do you get a sense, because I think this is something you worry about with the team when it starts to go south a little bit. You worry about the the morale of a club. You worry about how the club sees itself. I think John Tortorella was asked yesterday about that the the swagger that he wants this team to play with. I mm-hmm. don't think it's I don't think it's fully been there from the start, but has it faded? And do you worry about it fading? I mean, the, when the losses start to pile up, they played a night against Vegas. That's not easy. And then they go out on the road to Phoenix to mighty Denver and then to Montreal none of those games by by any means will they be expected well maybe Phoenix but they're not they won't be picked to be easy wins in any of those games they just won't be at all this year I don't think right they gotta they gotta nip this thing in the bud and this this game tonight is starting to feel a little bit bigger than just a a home Tuesday game in November is it not yeah it is and I it's you know, there's there's another wrinkle in there that we haven't really talked about, and this has plagued this team on and off for years too, is is playing well at home, right? And oh. Nick Felino said that yesterday. He said, you know, for some reason we, we get more juice saying let's go in and spoil someone else's night when we're on the road 
than playing at home. But I do think this game feels bigger. And, and it's interesting to me. I, I don't – we've talked about this. I think that this group does truly feel really tight to me in a, in a positive way. Um, I feel a different energy when I'm in that room and a lot of the guys are in there. They just – it. They feel like a close group that is bought in that really wants to succeed together and really wants to all chip in to, to get success. I, to me, that outweighs swagger, per se. I don't know that this is a group that's going to have swagger. I think what they need to do is keep that, that buy-in and turn that into commitment to how they have to play. The closest I think they came to swagger was the game in Toronto, um, I feel like I saw a little yeah. bit of it there, but I don't know that I, I, I get, I get why Torts uses the word and it's a great word, but it's almost for me, confidence and style of play that I want to see versus swagger. Cause I just don't know that we're going to barring some insane, you know, 10 game win streak or something like that. I don't know that this is a group that's going to have that swagger proper. And, and to me, that's okay. Given what this group is about this year. Yeah, I think his idea of swagger is less king of the king of the jungle type bravado and more knowing who you are. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I feel like they started to feel that way. <laughs> started to feel that way. And then the floor gave out. Right. And here we are. And you look, I mean, the standings this time of year are tricky because there's teams have played different games. But there are 13 points. Uh, already 12 points out of the lead of the division. Yeah. Right? And they're looking up at Philadelphia, then Pittsburgh, Carolina, the Islanders, and the Capitals in first place. I think more worrying is they're not far above the Devils and the Islanders, who have been really poor to start the season. The Rangers, and they're two mean, point, right? uh Rangers and Devils. Yep, yep. What did I say? Islanders and Devils. Oh, you know, it's early. It's Sorry. early. It's okay. Um yeah, they're they're just they're you know two points ahead of the Rangers, three ahead of the Devils, and they've played two more games in both of those teams. Yeah. Uh, another way to look at this is the only team in the Eastern Conference with a uh, worse goal differential is the Detroit Red Wings, who are off the charts yeah. horrific with that. Struggling. But Columbus is is worse than the Devils, which I think should be alarming now there's some ugly losses in there but that's kind of how you get there yeah they've been outscored 50 to 34 they're three four and one at home uh, and i think they've allowed the first goal in five of the last eight games at, or five of their eight games at home so that's where they got to start making some hay allison and it may start uh tonight that four game losing streak is tied with the longest nope the sharks have lost five in a row wow i know the sharks wow um all right, so anything else to add to the discussion today, Allison? I don't think it's doom and gloom necessarily. I just think there's a level of urgency that's that's here now Yeah, uh, that needs to be addressed pretty quickly or this thing could, could take a turn. Yeah, and I think too, and, and John Tortorella referenced this, but it, p- part of what is signaling to me what I'm looking for also is he talked about this. You you play a stinker in Philadelphia, but then you come out flat against Edmonton. So yeah. where's the response, right? And you play really well in St. Louis. Again, you get a point. So potentially you're looking at that as something to build on. 
And then you come out the next night, literally the next night, flat against Calgary. And so... You know, it's this is this is to me part of what when people say it's about the process, if they if they can get back to that style of play, I'm going to be more optimistic whether or not they win or lose. But we need to at least see the process working before we even talk about the results at this point, in my opinion. Yeah, when I think you get yourself in trouble as an organization, too, when you tell the world that, you no, 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 you're still no, this team is still competitive and the goal has not changed that's right stanley cup right it becomes really tricky when you try to change the narrative mid-season yes they, look we're the youngest team in the league we're building here yes. right yes can't have it both ways yes um and so i think i think there are a lot of people who thought and still think that they can hang and stick around for a long time i think there are some people who are gloating right now because they thought this team would do a lot of losing and and they're starting to head that direction, so they've got to get it fixed uh, quickly here. Yes, Allison, what else is going on in Central Ohio in the hockey landscape? Well, some good news in the Central hockey landscape is both uh, Ohio State teams uh, won their weekend series. Uh, Ohio State men beat Michigan. For people who are into that sort of thing, I know that that's a nice <laughs> a nice uh, story there. And then the the women are off this coming weekend, but the men are going to Notre Dame and. You know, I say this every year, and, and particularly as the Jackets are about to go on a on a week-long road trip away from central Ohio, this is this is fun hockey to, to go watch. It's fun to take people who maybe just want to experience the game because it's a little slower, so it's easier to follow. It's easier to pick up what's going on. It, it's a cheaper ticket, <laughs> quite frankly. The women's games are free. so um, And there's just some great personalities and stories happening with both of those teams, so... Um, they're both playing well right now. Um, really, some really exciting freshmen on both teams. This is a big season of change for both teams with uh, big freshman classes coming in. So check those guys out. Absolutely. And South Bend is never a bad place to be Well, in the fall. Well, well sure. What? Oh, no? I'm just, I'm just not a big South Bend person. It's a nice city. It's just it'd be That's cool if I mean. they were home. And then people can see them play, but yes. Right. But I mean, if you're going to make a roadie. Oh, sure. It's not a bad roadie. Agree. Yeah. All right. (laughs) And I wonder if that football team has a home game this weekend. You could package it all together. Oh. Anyways, I'm like a travel guide here. The the rink there, though, is actually quite Um, beautiful. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Sorry. What's that? I said the rink there is quite beautiful. What did you say? I said the rink there is beautiful. Well, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And a couple of guys from Calgary... Got in early um, and went to the Ohio State game against Michigan here before the uh, day before Ohio, uh, the the Blue Jackets played the Flames. Oh, nice, solid. Yeah, took a little stroll around campus as the as they do. Awesome. Um, yeah. So. And we have a little announcement too, Porty. Before we go, if you yes, recall. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Talk about the. You wrote a great story yesterday. That's part of this. Um, yes. Uh, Seth Jones. If you haven't read this, you guys, it's super cool. It's a really um, interesting angle on just who these guys are away from the rink. And it, it's interesting to me to hear how Seth Jones is getting into art and the kind of art he likes. And it's all part of, of this NHL culture blitz that, that The Athletic is doing this week. Yeah. Uh, th- so it's a deep dive into all things NHL culture. 
Our local and national hockey writers have great stories on everything from the league's biggest wine snobs. Ooh. I wonder who that is. I'm curious. Art collectors. We know who that is. Seth Jones. And trash talkers to look at a diversity in hockey, the culture of NHL nicknames, how players manage to practice and play while nursing a hangover. <laughs> I hope Tortorella was quoted on that one. And there's much, much more. These stories give you a rare insight into the world of hockey off the ice and are a must-read for any NHL fan. So the NHL culture blitz has arrived at the Athletic. Now is a great time uh, to subscribe, as we said, the Seth Jones story uh, with pictures of the art, with him and his art, uh, have been have been posted. Uh, that was up as of yesterday. It's still right there for you to see. Uh, and the stories are coming fast and furious. Katie Strang wrote, wrote a wonderful piece uh, yesterday about, you know, when will an NHL player, uh, a gay NHL player, come out of the closet? When will they when will they feel comfortable uh, to live them full self to live their full selves? Uh, publicly she wrote a piece today about drug use in the nhl hmm. so um there's a lot of really uh, rich content there uh to to take in um so please make it a point to look for that and if you're not a subscriber of course hop on uh, and get that uh, discount i believe it is nhl culture and there's a 40 percent discount associated with that nice so, nice all right Uh, And with that, we will bid you farewell. We'll talk to you on Thursday. Thanks for listening.